Hey guys, we are so glad you're here with us at Journey Church Online. If you're interested in getting more information about Journey Church, we have a messaging service where you can text the phrase, My Welcome to 94,000. This will help you get to know a little bit more about Journey Church. Also, if you want updates texted to your phone about what's going on here at Journey Church, please text the phrase, My Journey to 94,000. As we get ready for today's message, take a minute and share this video with someone. The small action of sharing this video on social media could be the start of life change for whoever sees it. Hey guys, welcome to Journey Online. We're so glad that you're joining us again. And uh, we're excited today. We're in a series called Family Foundations. And today we're talking about the building blocks of a covenant marriage. And uh, we know that marriage is under attack, and it has been for years. But we want to kind of look back at Scripture. What does Scripture say? What does God's Word say about the foundation of marriage and the covenant of marriage? And so today we're going to be kind of digging around in there, and we're going to look at, hey, what is a covenant? Because oftentimes you hear that sounds real biblical, sounds real important, but what does that mean? And so we're going to look at the elements of a, of a covenant marriage and a covenant relationship, and we see covenants throughout Scripture from beginning to end. We see, you know, the covenant with Abraham, with Noah. We see the covenants between friends with, with uh, Jonathan and David. And then we see Jesus who establishes the new covenant. And, uh, man, it's, it's exciting to look through the Scriptures and to see all these, these relationships that are established on this covenant principle. And so today we're going to unpack that. We're going to kind of take a look at that. And so building blocks of a covenant marriage. And so this is, this is a, something we want to build on. We want to build on a solid foundation. So here's a couple of elements of a covenant relationship. Number one, two or more parties are involved. And so if we were to do, be doing a marriage ceremony, you would have a husband and a wife. But there's also another party involved, and that's God. So God is a part of this. So in a covenant relationship, we have God as part of that relationship. So a husband and wife come together in this covenant relationship along with God. And so there's two or more parties involved. Here's another one. Those involved commit themselves to a binding agreement. So this binding agreement is not just legally binding as it, it, as it is here you know, in this realm, in this world, but also it has heavenly uh, binding as well. So God is involved in this, and God puts His blessing on this and His hand on this. And so it is a binding agreement legally here in our world, but also legally and, if you will, heavenly with God. So it's a binding agreement, and these people have committed themselves to this binding agreement. Here's the next one. The agreement involves promise, uh, promises or oaths. In other words, in a wedding ceremony, often you'll hear someone uh, share promises with each other. We call them vows. And so you exchange your vows. When Laurie and I got married years ago, 28 years ago, we wrote our, our, our vows out, and they were promises that we were making to each other. And I think it's always a positive thing, you know, in, in a marriage to go back and look at, hey, what did you say to one another? What did you promise one another? 
You know, hey, I'll be there in good times and in bad and sickness and in health. And maybe you look at, hey, we've gone through some bad times, and I don't know if we have really been there for one another. In the good times, it's easy, it seems like, but sometimes it's tougher with the others. But the thing is, is we've made these promises, and when we break our promises, it undermines and really destroys trust in a relationship. And so some of the problems that maybe we have in our marriages today is a not fulfilling our promises and therefore not trusting one another. And so the, the agreement involves promises and oaths. Here's another one. The oath usually has some physical sign or symbol. For you, you know, you may be doing something different, but for Lori and I, the, the sign or the symbol is this ring. You know, I, I wear a, a wedding band, and um, it's, a, it's a wedding band that, that uh, actually is an old high school uh, class ring and a necklace that I had in high school because I lost my first wedding band. Now, that ring is not what makes me married. Obviously, I lost the first one. I was actually deer hunting, t- had taken a deer and was uh, cleaning that deer, and I have no idea where that ring went. I got a metal detector, went back and looked for it, searched for it, couldn't find it. And I can remember teaching one Sunday, and uh, I had a lady walk up to me, and she goes, Mike, you're married, right? And I said, yes, ma'am. She goes, where's your ring? So she's kind of scolding me a little bit, and I said, uh, I lost it deer hunting. She goes, you need a ring on your finger. And so that is a symbol of my, me being in a covenant relationship with my wife. And so that circle is unending. Hopefully, you know, prayerfully, when we put that ring on, we were reminded, you know, that we're, our love is unending. It, uh, until we breathe our last, we are in a covenant relationship with one another. And, and so it's, it's a precious metal. Usually this one's gold. Some people do other things. Um, but it's a symbol is all, what it is. And so oftentimes that covenant has that sign or that symbol. Here's another one. The oath is made before a witness or witnesses. And so oftentimes what we do is we invite family and friends to come and be a part of our, uh, our wedding ceremony or, you know, we want them to come and be there to support us, to encourage Sometimes you're inviting them because you want a gift. I don't know. But the thing is, is what you should be is, hey, listen, we want you to come and witness what we are promising to each other and what we are promising to God. And so in that, that ceremony, you've got people that are witnessing and they're hearing what you're saying to one another. And too often we, we rush through that, and we really need to be listening and realizing, you know what, I've said this not only in front of my spouse, I've said this in front of God, and I've said it to God, and I've also said it in front of all these witnesses. And so the oath is made before a witness or witnesses. And then here's another one. The covenant is usually sealed. You know, that covenant is sealed oftentimes in a wedding, you know, whenever, hey, you know, there's been some questions that have been asked, hey, are you ready to take this step? Then there's some vows that have been exchanged. In other words, some promises or some oaths that have been made. Then oftentimes, whenever you get to the end of that, they will set the, the, the pastor will say, you may now kiss your bride. So it's, it's sealed with a kiss. In other words, you solidify that. The other thing that we see in Scripture is whenever you go and you enjoy the honeymoon, you have, you have consummated that covenant. In other words, you have established it. So it's sealed in that way as well. Just that even that honeymoon night, the two of you coming together physically in intimacy on that honeymoon night is the sealing of that as well. So here's a couple more. A ceremony or a ritual is performed to enforce it. In other words, we have wedding ceremonies. Or if you were to go to the justice of the peace, you know, he still does a, a ceremony. They used to do that. They don't do that anymore. Or probate judge, they don't do that anymore, I don't guess. But whenever you go before a pastor, you're doing the ceremony, and there are certain elements that are involved. There are vows that are involved. There are questions that are involved. And then there's, you know, these covenants or these uh, uh, promises are made to one another, establishing this covenant. So we have a ceremony often, and we make a big deal out of it. A lot of people spend a lot of time and money making a wedding a nice ceremony. And I will say this. There are often times that too much emphasis is put on the ceremony 
and not the covenant. I know a young lady who spent a million dollars, or her family did spend a million dollars on a wedding, and the, the wedding didn't, or the marriage didn't last a year. So the wedding ceremony was beautiful, and it was in every kind of magazine you can imagine, but the marriage didn't last. And a lot of it was, it was not built on a solid foundation. It was not built on the right things. And, and so a ceremony or ritual is performed to enforce that. Here's another one. The covenant, the covenant has serious negative consequences experienced by those who break it and benefits for those who keep it. So when we break these covenants or we break these vows that have been made, there's negative consequences. There's a lot of pain involved in that. There's a broken trust. There are children sometimes involved. And, you know, those children, their life is affected and impacted by that. But, man, the, the ones who stay together and the ones who work at becoming more and more Christ-like. And let me just say this. There's a lot of people that have been married for a long time that are miserable. And it's not because, that, hey, they've honored covenant and that makes it okay. We should be becoming more and more like Christ daily. Every believer should be asking God, God, help me to become more and more like Christ. Help me to die to self. Help me to crucify this flesh so that I am able to be the best husband I can be or I'm able to be the best wife that I can be. And oftentimes we make it all about, hey, just stay married because that's what you're supposed to do. But you are supposed to stay married. That's God's intention. But you're also supposed to be, also supposed to be changing and being transformed into the power by the power and, and uh, the Holy Spirit into the image of Christ and becoming more and more like Christ, which makes for a strong marriage. And so, so here's some, here are the five building blocks of a covenant marriage. Number one... It's Jesus as the cornerstone. You know, we've talked about uh, this passage out of Matthew, and I want to read that to you. Let's read Matthew chapter 7. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. This is Jesus talking, this is Jesus teaching, is wise. Like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it, will, it, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. It's built on a solid foundation. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish like a person who builds a house on sand and when the rains and floods come and the winds beat against that house it will it will collapse with a mighty crash and so jesus as the cornerstone you know we also see where peter in his boldness after you know uh jesus has been crucified he's been resurrected and peter has been reinstated he's been empowered he's been filled with the holy spirit Peter has this incredible boldness, and he's before some of the, the, the religious leaders of the day. And what he does is he says, hey, he tells them, he says, the, the cornerstone that you rejected, Jesus Christ, is the cornerstone and the power by which this guy has been healed. They had healed a guy, and they were being prosecuted, if you will, for that. Je- I mean, you know, Jesus had changed their life, and he's telling hey, listen, Jesus, this cornerstone, the one that you've rejected, is what changes everything. And so building our life on the cornerstone of Christ is critical. Paul would say the same thing. Hey, listen, our, everything is built on the cornerstone, which is Jesus Christ. So your life, your marriage being built on Jesus. So the main, number one building block is for Christ to be the, building, the cornerstone, the building block that you start with. And it needs to start with each of you. Kind of like we talked about last week in finding the right one. Making sure that, you know what, in each person's life, Jesus is leader. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is in control. He is their Savior. And so two believers coming together, man, that makes for a solid foundation. Because here's the thing, the two become one. And we're going to unpack that a little bit. But the two individuals come together becoming one with Jesus as that cornerstone. That's critical. So Jesus is the, is the cornerstone. Look at what it says here about the covenant. The covenant between a husband and wife is made 
before God and therefore with God as well as the spouse, as well as to the spouse. To break faith with your spouse is to break faith with God at the same time. So the thing is, is, is God is a part of this relationship. And so in building a marriage, in, in a biblical covenant marriage, we need Jesus as the cornerstone. And we need to know, that, you know what, that we together, we have Jesus Christ as first in our life. It's not my wife, it's not my husband, but my relationship with God is first. And it comes through a personal relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. So Jesus is the cornerstone, and together we're building on that. And, and so that covenant is saying, you know what, God, you're part of this. So I tell people all the time, not only are you sharing these vows and everything with each other, you're sharing them before God and with God, and you're asking God to be a part of them. So there's some questions that we often ask in a wedding. We'll often say, will you have this woman to be your wife? And will you make your promise to, to her in all love and honor, in all duty and service, in all faith and tenderness, to live with her and to cherish her according to the ordinance of God in the holy bond of marriage? So that's a question that we often ask at a wedding. And they will say, I do or I will. And so they, they're answering that question. You ask each of the, the, uh, the spouse or the people that are there. You ask each of them, hey, are, are you? And you're asking these questions. And so you're asking them, hey, are you going to honor the covenant of marriage? That's what you're asking. I do. All right. Well, whenever you get to that point, you're saying, God, I'm telling you, I do. God, I'm telling everybody in this room, all these witnesses, I do. I'm telling my spouse, I do. And, and so these questions are, are, are important. They're critical. And so we're asking these, and hopefully you're, you're, you're honest, you're, you're being trustworthy. And that's the second thing is trust. The second building block is trust. Do we, do we trust one another? Do we trust God? Now, here's a great passage in Proverbs about trusting God. But the other thing is, is, hey, you better trust the person that's across from you that you're exchanging these vows and these promises with. You've got to trust the God who created both of you, and you've got to trust that God has brought you together. That's a lot of trust. But I'm just telling you, it, trust is one of the building blocks and one of the, the key elements of a godly marriage, of a covenant marriage, of a strong, healthy marriage. And so, look at what it says here in Proverbs 3, 5-6. through 6. It says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and do not depend on your own understanding. Seek His will in all you do, and He will show you which path to take. So, He will tell you what t- path to take. And so, the thing is, is we know that God is trustworthy. So, God is trustworthy. So, here's, here's the thing. You got to be trustworthy to be. You got to be trustworthy to receive trust. So you've got to be trustworthy. We know that God is trustworthy. He's faithful and true. We can lean into Him. We know that He loves us. He cares about us. He created us. We know that He is. But you've got to be trustworthy yourself for the person across from you. Too often we think that marriage is about what I get out of this, but marriage is really about what I bring to the table, and it's what I am giving to someone. It's, it's what I'm giving to my spouse. You know, I'm giving to them someone that they can trust. We said it last week. You know, you want to be answered prayer for someone, that they've prayed for someone that is trustworthy. They've prayed for someone that is kind, that is loving, that is, you know, that, that cares for them, that cherishes them, that, you know, chases after them, all those things. And so you have to be trustworthy to receive trust. So before God is going to put somebody in your life, you've got to be trustworthy. And you, you need to be good marriage material, if you will. You, it goes back to what we said last week. The question is, are you the right person for someone? We're often looking for the right person for us, but are, are you, am I, the right person for who God wants to bring me together with? And so you've got to do that. So here's another. Trust and truth go hand in hand. Trust and truth go hand in hand. Trust. So trusting someone means that we've got to be honest with one another. We've got to be truthful with one another. Uh, the more that we are 
truthful with one another about our feelings and our expectations. We talked about that last week. You know, hey, be honest. Have conversations about your expectations in marriage, when it comes to kids, when it comes to careers. You know, and, and then here's the thing. You've got to trust each other, but there's also got to be truth there. And you've got to trust each other enough to speak the truth. You know, hopefully we've got friends, and maybe you've got some friends in your life that they love you enough and you love them enough that you are able to speak the truth in love. And in a marriage, too, too often there's deception. And the thing about deception, deception is one of the biggest killers of trust. If you deceive or, you know, you lie or you hide something, you know, you're undermining, you're undermining your marriage. And we've got to be willing to say, God, help me, to, help me to, to be trustworthy, but God, also help me to trust. And help me to be truthful. At times, even when it's painful or when it's awkward. Uh, but healthy relationships, they do they do unpack the truth. They do get things out on the table. They do work through those things. They don't get offended and run away. They get offended and then they keep working at amending that relationship and, and making a difference there and working towards healing. They offer forgiveness. And so trust and truth go hand in hand and it's critical that we do that. So one of the things that we do is we, we share vows. In a, in a wedding ceremony, there are vows that are exchanged. And look, into what, look at what you're saying here. So this is, goes back to trust and this is truth. I take you to be my lawfully, lawful and wedded husband. And I do promise and covenant, there's covenant, before God and these witnesses. Again, you've got everybody watching to be your loving and faithful wife in plenty and in want, in joy and in sorrow, in sickness and in health, as long as we both shall live. So what you're saying is, you know what, hey, I am in this for a lifetime. I am in this until we breathe our last. I am I'm committed to you. And that's the third thing, is commitment. So we've got, to, we've got to trust each other to honor their word. When you enter into that relationship, you're putting trust into them. And hopefully, prayerfully, you're going, you know what, I want to be trustworthy. And so the third thing is commitment. And here in Matthew, we see where the commitment of marriage is being challenged by some religious leaders. They, they're coming up to Jesus. And we know that in this day and age, and many of you already know this, that you know more than half the marriages end in divorce and and a lot of people just live together this day and age. They don't even get married. They just kind of live together, you know. And, and so the, the numbers are really all skewed. They're all kind of messed up. But we do know that marriage is under attack. You know, the, the whole institution of marriage is under attack. The scriptures are under attack. We live in a very wicked time, to be honest with you, in a lot of ways. Lots of great opportunities around us, more information than we've ever had. But yet there are some things that, man, they're, they're holy and they are under attack. And some people don't like what God has to say. Some people don't want to line up with it. But the thing is, is God says, hey, listen, this is what is best for you. This is what is best for you and your spouse. And so commitment is a, is a big deal. So some Pharisees came and, and tried to trap him. This is Jesus. They're always trying to trap him with this question. Should a man be allowed to divorce his wife for just any reason? In, in other words, if he just wants to get rid of her, he can get rid of her. So can they do that? And so Jesus responds, haven't you read the Scriptures? And you wonder if that's kind of like a backhanded jab or whatever, you know, because uh, Jesus at times would get frustrated with these guys, but yet he was without sin. So Jesus replied, they record that from the beginning God made them male and female. And he said, this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. And since they are no longer two but one, let no one split apart what God has joined together. And so what we see here. Is Jesus referring back to the passage we read last week in Genesis chapter 2 where God brought them together? And he said, hey, you know what? The, these two are going to become one. 
Male and female, God brings them together. And he says, you know what? They're, this is for a lifetime. And so Jesus is reiterating that. He said, hey, listen, this is important that you understand that, you know what, there, there's a commitment there, that you're committing to one another. And again, the, the leaders are asking, hey, can a man get a divorce for just any reason? And they're trying to trap him because they want to see what he says. They want to see if he says, oh, yeah, you can get a divorce for anything. They're going to say, hey, that's not what the law says. And so they want to jump on him with that and try to use it as leverage, whatever. But the thing is, is Jesus, again, he re- redirects to their heart. He said, the issue is your heart. You have, you have hardened your heart. And, and he talks about how, you know, the cruelty that it brings upon a woman, especially in that day and age. It's like she was abandoned. She had no way of provision. You know, and she became a beggar or whatever. And so Jesus dealt with the people's heart. And so commitment is important. Look at what it says in Malachi here. It says, you cry out, why doesn't the Lord accept my worship? I'll tell you why. Because the Lord witnessed the, the vows you and your wife made when you were young. But you have been unfaithful to her, though she remained your faithful partner, the wife of your marriage vows. In other words, there's the promises again. Didn't the Lord make you one with your wife? The two, here's one of the mysteries, one of the miracles that we see in a marriage covenant, is the two become one. The two become one. And so in body and spirit, you are His. And what does He want? Godly children from your union. So guard your heart, remain loyal to the wife of your youth. And, and so here we see that Scripture is saying, hey, listen, you become one. Remain loyal, remain committed, remain engaged in this relationship. For I hate divorce, says the Lord, the God of Israel. To divorce your wife is to overwhelm her with cruelty, says the Lord of heaven's army. So guard your heart and do not be unfaithful to your wife. Here, you know, Malachi is making it clear that it's about commitment. And it's about honoring the marriage vows and the marriage covenant. And so too often in this world, we don't hear that. And there's a lot of times when, you know, in churches, people go, what is a covenant? We need to be talking about it more and more. We need to be unpacking. What does that mean? Why is marriage such a big deal to God? Because it's a picture of God and Christ and the church. I mean, it's all of that working together. And so part of our marriage is part of our witness. Our, our marriage, a healthy, godly marriage, is part of the witness that we have of how Christ loved the church. And so number four here talks about giving. This is the, the fourth building block is giving. You know, we, are, we, we see that God is a loving God. We see that God is a forgiving God. And He is also a giving God. He, he forgives us and He gives to us. He blesses us in so many ways. He has given us someone to do life with, to, to grow old with, to, to do ministry with, to, to, do, you know, to, to have children with. And so God has given us so many things. So look at what it says here in Ephesians. It says, And further submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And let's pause right there. Because a lot of times... Whenever people here submit, especially the ladies, because of this next part that's coming up, we often kind of put a block up to, hey, hold on, what do, you, what do you mean submit? What does that mean? I don't like that in scriptures. And I've had people tell me through the years that for whatever reason they bristle up when they hear that, but a, a, a lady who is in a marriage relationship with a husband who understands this first one, verse 21, and further submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, that we are submitting, we are giving, and we're coming together out of reverence for Christ. We're, we're submitting to one another. We're meeting each other's needs. We're dying to self. We're crucifying the flesh. We're making it about the other. Here's the thing. We're doing it because of our relationship with Christ. And out of reverence for Christ. We want Christ to be honored in our marriage. Verse 22, it says, For wives, this means to submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Uh, that's, that's a tough one for some people to get your mind around. For a husband is the head of his wife as Christ is the head of the church. He is the Savior of His body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. 
For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's Word. Let me just say this. I think there are times that we read that passage and we go, all right, Jesus gave up his life on the cross. That's So, you know, a guy's got to be willing to die for his spouse. I think it's giving up our life at times and giving up our wants and our desires for things that maybe our spouse needs. And I said it last week. There's a crazy thing about Christianity is whenever I give up what I want sometimes to meet the needs of someone else, God meets my needs. And so this giving mentality we see here for husbands, this means to love your wives as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. It's about the bride. For the man, we've got to say, you know, it's about the bride. For the wife, it's about hey, submitting, surrendering. It's about surrendering to him. And I know that comes across as, you know, harsh sometimes, especially in a feministic mentality. But whenever you look at it from a biblical mentality, it's about mutually submitting, mutually giving of yourself for your spouse so that they become the very best that they can be. And, and then here's the last one, number five, the fifth pillar, if we will, is sacrifice. For husbands, this means love your wife just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. Holy and without fault. And, and so sacrifice, when we look at, you know, giving and then we look at sacrifice. Giving is, you know, hey, I'm giving sacrifice when it costs you. Giving is, hey, you can give sometimes out of the abundance. But sacrifice costs you. And so sacrifice really involves risking yourself. So sacrifice in a relationship is me giving up some of me. It's, it's, it's risking myself. It's putting myself out there. In a relationship, especially in a marriage covenant, man, you're giving everything. That first year of marriage is a tough year because you're giving of your time, you're giving of your space, you're giving up of everything. And it takes a long time sometimes. That first year seems like forever because you're having to give and to surrender some areas and you're sacrificing what was always yours to now it's ours. It's part of what you say in those marriage vows. What is yours is now mine. What is mine is now yours. So you're sharing everything. And sometimes that's burden. Sometimes that's financial burden. It's different things that can weigh out. But sacrifice really involves risking yourself. You're taking a risk. And so in a marriage, there is sacrifice involved. When it comes to having kids, I'm telling you, then you really start seeing sacrifice. And then here's another one. Sacrifice is risking emotional pain. You're putting yourself out there. There's some of you that maybe you're, you're really guarded. And uh, the reason you don't get into a relationship, you've been wounded by someone. Maybe you were wounded by a family member. Maybe by your dad or your mom or, you know, it could be anything. Maybe you were in a bad relationship. Maybe you were, it was a date rape situation. And now you're, you're thinking, hey, everybody's going to be that way. And so to get involved in a marriage or a relationship or a serious relationship at all is, uh, I mean, it's, it's risking too much. But in a marriage, in a covenant relationship, there is sacrifice involved. There is giving involved. There is trust involved. You know, and, and it goes back to we've got to have that relationship with Jesus, that cornerstone. And if we have that relationship with Christ, we have that cornerstone in our life then we realize, you know what, that is where it starts. And then as we move through these other steps and these other building blocks, if you will, we get to the one for sacrifice. We realize, you know what, I can handle sacrifice because Jesus sacrificed. I can give up things because I know there's a greater, there's a greater return on those things. For a lot of people, they thought that Jesus dying on the cross was the end, but it was only the beginning. Jesus knew he had to go to the cross. 
He knew that he had to defeat death and sin and the grave. He knew that sacrifice was critical for a right relationship with us. And I'm just telling you in a marriage, sacrifice is critical. It's a critical part of it. Look at this next one here. The purpose of love is the perfecting of the one loved. The purpose of love is the perfecting of the one loved. So in other words, you know, it's not about me. It's not about me, it's, and it's not about what I want. It's not about you, and it's not about your goals or your dreams, your aspirations. It's about, it's about you loving someone enough that you want them to be all that they can be. And if you've got two people in a relationship, you've got a husband and a wife, and both of them are dying to self. They're both submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. They're both saying, hey, listen, I want you to be the best. And the other one saying, hey, I want you to be the best that you can be for God. Man, you're pushing, you're, you're literally, it's like an A-frame house where the strength is there at the top where God is at. And so you're moving towards one another. You're doing everything you can to encourage and to edify and to build up and to help them be the best that they can be. Then here's the thing, that, that incredible goal there is achieved. Look at this goal here. So the goal of love is not just kindness motivated by desire to make your spouse happy. You don't wash the dishes or do this or whatever to make your spouse happy. This is why we do this. So the goal is to build your spouse up to bring about God's purpose in his or her life. So in other words, we don't do things out of, hey, I want to make her happy or I want to make him happy and I don't want to have to listen to them gripe and complain. Those are wrong motivations. So the goal is not kindness motivated by desire to make them happy. It's to build your spouse up to bring about God's purpose in his or her life. You want them to be all that God wants them to be. You want them to experience in God's presence in their life. You want to see them walk in that kind of consistency. You want to see them become all that God desires for them. And so there's a couple of steps maybe for you today, maybe for all of us. Is Number one is that we remind ourselves to see marriage as God sees it, and God sees it as a covenant. God sees a marriage relationship, a marriage as a covenant between a man and a woman and him, and that the three of them make that covenant together. And so if we look at a marriage covenant in that way, then here's the thing, we'll be intentional about not getting in a rush to get married, not getting in a rush to just marry anybody. But we'll take the time, we'll make sure, hey, this is who I can trust with my life. I can trust them with my everything that I've got. And so we're able to begin that building that relationship and, and we have that mentality, you know, God, I want who you want me to be with for the rest of my life, and I want to honor them, and I want to help them become all that God wants them, all that you want them to be. And so here's the next one, to honor the covenant of marriage. Everybody in the room, everybody out there needs to understand this. We all need to honor marriage. Marriage is under attack, so we need to honor marriage. We need to lift it up. We don't need to make fun of marriage. We don't call our wife the, my old mule or the old lady or my, you know, my slave-driving husband or whatever. We don't make fun of those things. If anything, we talk about marriage as something that is holy that God wants to bless, that it's a covenant relationship. And so we're intentional about that. So we don't make fun of marriage, and we don't belittle marriage, especially as believers. We see it as something holy that God blesses and that God wants to use to bring about a picture of what Christ in the church is like. And so marriage is something beautiful. We don't belittle it. We don't put it down. We don't dog it out. But if anything, we make it something holy. We, we, we literally look at it as, hey, this is God's gift. And we do everything we can to help our spouse be all that God wants them to be. And maybe you're here today and you've never put your faith in Christ. You've never established that cornerstone. Let me just tell you, man, let me encourage you to, to trust Christ as Savior. To put your faith in Him. Let God 
begin a relationship with you. Let Him begin to change you and transform you so that you can be that, that person that is the right person for your spouse or that person that's going to be your spouse one day. You know, maybe there's things in you that, you know, God needs to work on. I'll tell you, everybody in this room has something that God needs to work on. We've all got hurts, habits, and hang-ups. And we need God to, to change us and to transform us and to make us more like Christ. So maybe for you today, it's, you know, you're taking that first step. You're saying, Jesus, I want you to come into my life. Jesus, I want you to save me. I want to be changed. I want to be transformed. And, and God, I want to be the right person for somebody. I want to be the right person for my wife or my husband if you're married. And so it starts with God changing you and establishing that relationship, that cornerstone. And so I want to ask you, if you would, just to bow your head and close your eyes. And if you've never put your faith in Christ, let today be the day of salvation for you. Just say, Jesus, I come to you today and I confess to you that I am a sinner. I have never trusted you. I've never put my faith in you, but today I do. And so, Jesus, I'm asking you to come into my life. I'm asking you to be my leader, my Lord. I'm asking you to save me. I want to quit living the way I've been living. That's repentance. And, Jesus, I want to live for you. And I want, to, I want to honor you with my life. So, Jesus, will you come into my life? Will you be my leader? Will you be my Lord? Will you be my Savior? And his answer is yes. There are lots of others out there that are married. And maybe you're in a marriage covenant right now. I want to encourage you to honor the covenant. And here's the other thing. is Ask God to change you. Change the way you look at your marriage. Maybe to see it as something that is holy. And that you want to put in all the energy and effort that you can to make that union something beautiful, and it's part of your witness in this world. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for being able to gather as the body of Christ. I thank you for the the teaching, God, that you give us from Scripture. And, Father, how important it is that we build our marriage, Lord Father, on on these principles, God, and on these these qualities that we see here, these, uh, these pillars, if you will. And so, God, we just pray that you have been honored today by the teaching of your Word, and, God, that we have been reminded how beautiful marriage is. And so, God, thank you for the gift of marriage. Thank you for using, Lord Father, uh, it to teach us today. And, God, I thank you for the marriages that have already been established. God, I pray that you'd bless them. And for those that are searching and seeking that right one, God, they would build on a cornerstone, the cornerstone, Jesus Christ, with someone else who has Jesus as the Lord of their life. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for such an incredible message, Pastor Mike. If you just made a decision to follow Christ, we want you to know it's the greatest decision you have ever made. And we want to help you with your next steps. If you'll text the phrase, my decision, to the number 94,000, we would love to help you as you began this journey with Christ. Now we're going to bring our tithes and offering to God. I want to encourage you to trust God completely in this area of your life. And we do that through our giving. Now, we've made this super simple. You should see a link on the screen and in the comment section to the Journey Church Giving page. There you can return God's tithe and your offering. If you need help learning how to give online, we have several videos on our YouTube page. Your giving allows us to continue to make an increasing impact for the gospel. And so take that step right now and allow God to bless your obedience. And again, thank you so much for joining us online today. We will see you right back here next week. If you have kids, I want to encourage you to hang out for the Journey Kids service. Pastor Nate and our family team have been working hard all week to provide a service just for them. And your kids are not going to want to miss out on what's coming up.